Well, hey there, everyone. I'm Daniel Hahn, and I'm the online campus pastor here at Oxford Assembly of God Church, and this is our podcast. And I just want to thank you for listening today. We hope the message you're about to hear inspires you, builds your faith, and helps you see that God has a purpose for your life. And now, let's get into the message. While praying and asking God for the message this week, Monday morning, I, I was just praying, said, God, you know, I know that most of you could come up with sermon titles real easily, but every now and then I hit a, a spot. I don't know. I said, God, what is the message for this Sunday? And my Bible was laying there open, and the verse just reached out and grabbed me. Now, I want you to know that doesn't happen too often. Most times it's during my study and praying, but I'm just sitting there, God, what, what do you want to say to the church? And I saw this verse in chapter 14 of the Gospel of John. John chapter 14, verse 8. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough. How many thinks the world needs to see the Father? How many thinks that that might be a key solution with all the turmoil going on? I want to tell you, uh, seeing Pastor Strickland is not the solution. Seeing any of you is not the solution. But if we can show them the Father, if we can show them Jesus, if we can show them the Holy Spirit, I believe that we'd realize that's what the world needs. And not only is that what the world needs, that's what the church needs to do. That's our responsibility, to introduce the world to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. I was reminded of a passage. Let me read that passage, the rest of it, in chapter uh, 14, verse 8. He says, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long that you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly I say to you, Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. I don't know if you caught that. He says, greater works shall you do. He said, but the Father and I are one. The Holy Spirit and I are one. We're one. Now go back with me over to earlier in the book of John to chapter 12. Chapter 12, we find one of the same characters, a guy by the name of Philip, where we see uh, in chapter 12, verse 20. Now, among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. And Philip went and told Andrew, Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus, said, sir, we want to see Jesus. I think it was worth noting 
that this group of people went specifically to Philip. Now, there's some speculation, and we may ask, well, why did they go to Philip? He was not one of the greater known disciples, but some scholars believe that because he was, grew up in Bethsaida, that he had a connection with Gentiles. And some people say these Greeks were Gentiles, and they were looking for some way to connect with Jesus. And so they went to somebody that they had a connection with. Now, I know some of you say, well, I don't understand that. See, Philip grew up in Bethsaida, and possibly they knew who he was. Maybe they didn't. Maybe they, they just knew him from a, a, an a occasion. But basically, they had a connection. I think this is worth mentioning. Because each of us, every one of us, has a sphere of influence. Every one of us has a sphere of influence. I didn't realize how deep of a subject that was until I began to do a little research and I decided to close the book on that. I can't cover that today, all of those limitations and what a sphere of influence means. But let me put it in Oxford English. Every one of us has got a circle of friends. Some of them's real small. But everybody's got a circle of friends. We've got people that we connect with. We got people that we have influence on. That's what we call our sphere of influence. Each of us have a people that we have a greater influence on. Guess what? You've got a greater influence on a lot of people than I do. I don't know them. They don't trust me, but they know you. They know that you're just like them. You're, you're nothing special. You're just like them. You have the same problems, same difficulties, but you connect with them. I believe that's probably what happened when they went to Philip. They said, listen, we want to see Jesus, but we got to go through somebody to get to Jesus. Now, I think all of us understand something. We go directly to Jesus through the working of the Holy Spirit. But how many get, knows that they don't, a lot of people don't know the Holy Spirit. They don't know about God. And so they left out there stranded and they said, I need a connection. I want to see the Father. I want to see the Son. I want to see the Holy Spirit. And so they will look someone that might have a connection with, that we might reveal them God. Show us the Father. Show us the Son. Show us the Holy Spirit. See, that's what Andrew did. What did he do? He went and told Peter. The woman at the well, she went and got all of her heathen friends. The man that was healed of blindness, he went and got all of his uh, people that knew him. Notice the last verse in the book of Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, the last verse. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. How many thinks that everybody in the world needs the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ? How many think that you need to know the love of God? How about the fellowship of the Holy Spirit? That's what he said. Paul said, I want you as the church. Now see, the church of Corinth was a lot like the church today. They were filled with a bunch of sinful people that had been ministered to and delivered and saved. And he was telling that church at Corinth, I want you to know about the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to know about the love of God. And I want you to know the fellowship and the power of the Holy Spirit. And the more I've thought about this this week, 
the more I realize this is what the world needs today. They don't need another church building. They don't need people telling them what to do. They need somebody to introduce them to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Do you think that's what the world needs today? Now, I used to struggle with trying to define the Trinity. Now, I know a lot of you are a lot smarter than I am. You probably have no difficulty. But the more I thought about the Trinity, the bigger it was. How can I explain the Trinity? You know, I had different illustrations, but one day the light came on. Amen. <laughs> now, 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 I appreciate that because, see, I, I remember, some, any of you remember the pinball machines? You know, you put that up there and that ball goes up, ding, 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 and it finally, the light comes on. Now, some of us are like Gator, it just tilts, okay? <laughs> it shuts down. But every now and then, Gator, the light comes on, and we understand what it's saying. And the light came on, and I realized that you and I are tripartite beings. We've got the flesh, we've got the mind, and we've got the spirit or the soul. You can't separate them. That's what makes us one. But how many knows that in mankind, some of us have a weaker mind or weaker flesh or weaker spirit, but we're still human. We still three in one. Now, I think most of us here realize that God's perfect. How many knows God's perfect? That Jesus Christ is perfect. That the Holy Spirit's perfect. They're three in one, and they don't have part of them that's functioning, part that's not. I know it sounds cruel, but the reality is many people today, one of their three beings is missing. Some of us, our flesh is deteriorating. Some minds are going Now, the soul is strong, but we have very little control of that. That's what God does. But we're three in one. So when we show someone the Father, we're showing someone the Holy Spirit. We're showing someone Jesus. We're showing them three in one. And when we show them his love, when we show them God's love, when we show them Jesus' grace, When we show them the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, we're showing everything that God is and ever will be because he never changes. Show him the Father. I want you to look and see what he commissioned Paul to do. He commissioned Paul to do in Acts chapter 9. We read about two individuals. Begin reading of verse 10. Now, there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, rise up and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. I'm sure that probably by then, Ananias was already interrupting God. I mean, you would. Hey, God, I read about him. He was on CNN last week, and they covered it, and also, and all the other stations covered it, and he's been killing all of us Christians. I know about him. But he was praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias 
come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief, chief priest to bind all who call in your name. Hey, Lord, I'm one of those. I'm one of those. But the Lord said, <laughs> have any of you ever had trouble with that? But the Lord said, but the Lord said, some of you have heard me say this. It does not bother me to stand in front of a crowd. I've been on national TV, did not bother me. Now it might start next week, I don't know. But so far, I've never been fearful of a crowd. But one scares me to death. One scared me to death. And I could think of Ananias, if I was Ananias going to Paul, God and I would have had to have a little discussion. I think they did. Lord, you, you've heard what he's been doing. <laughs> Isn't that funny how we tell God about somebody, what they're, what's going on in people's lives? <laughs> I mean, like he doesn't know the zoning committee that you're going for. He doesn't know the banker that you ask him for a loan. He doesn't know those things. He doesn't know that person that you're going to be witnessing to. The reality is he knows it all. And he said, go to him. So Ananias had an assignment. What was his assignment? To make sure that Paul understood something about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and you not hurt me. No, he didn't say that. <laughs> and you be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he arose and was back. Uh, and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. And from some days, he was with the disciples of D Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in his synagogue, in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. What was he doing? He was introducing people to the Father, to the Son, to the Holy Spirit. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon his name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priest? But, the, but Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. Who was Christ? The Son of God. He proved them. That was his ministry. He said, uh, Paul, your ministry is going to the Gentiles, going to the Jews, going to kings, and you're going to tell them and introduce them to Jesus. You're going to tell them who God is because remember the Gentiles worshiped other gods. The Jews, they understood about Jehovah, but they didn't know about Jesus. He said, it's your job to go. What was he going to do? He said, I want you to show them the love of God. 
I want you to show them the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to show them the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And every attribute that is God's, that is your commission to go and tell them. Proving that Jesus was the Christ. Now I can tell you, if they needed that in the first century, here in the 21st century, they need it. They need it. And who do they need to hear it from? They need to hear it from the church. They need to hear it from people that have already received that message. And they really hear it easier from somebody that they've got a connection with. They, from a friend or a family. And I know how difficult it is to minister to family. So go out and, and minister to somebody. Years ago, my dad was not serving the Lord. He was, his health had gotten bad, and, and I was praying, earnestly praying. I said, God, send somebody to talk to my dad. He respected me. He honored me. He loved me. But it just didn't seem like I was the one that he would listen to. So I said, God, send somebody to speak to my dad. Have any of you ever had that problem? Send somebody to speak to my dad daughter. Send somebody to speak to my son. You know what God said? Whose dad are you speaking to? Huh? I might not could speak to my dad, but I can speak to somebody's dad. Over in the book of Isaiah. Man, this was so neat when I read this. Isaiah chapter 44. For those of you who do not know, that's in the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 44. But now hear, O Jacob, my servant, Israel, whom I have chosen. Thus says the Lord who made you, who formed you from the womb and will help you. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your offspring and my blessings on your descendants. They shall spring up among the grass like willows by flowing streams. This one will say, I am the Lord's. Another will call on the name of Jacob and another will write on his hands, the Lord's and name himself by the name of Israel. Did you catch that? Before Jesus was ever born, he said, you're going to write on your name that he's a savior. He is the Lord. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Go over to chapter 63 of Isaiah. Isaiah 63, verse 7. I will recount the steadfast love of the Lord. What's that mean? I'm going to tell people about how much God loves them. And the praises of the Lord. According to all that the Lord has granted us, and the great goodness to the house of Israel that he has granted them according to his compassion or his love, according to the abundance of his steadfast love. For he said, surely they are my people, children who will not deal falsely. And he became their savior. In their, all their affliction, he was afflicted. And the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. Now, reminded, this is the Old Testament before Jesus was ever born. But he's telling them, you need to remind them and tell them the love of God. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what we're called to do. I was kind of surprised because if I had ever heard this I don't remember it. any of you ever have that say think 
And your wife says, oh, you knew that. You just forgot it. So I might have known this. Lou and I might have forgotten it. But according to tradition, according to the study that I made this week, that shortly after Isaiah wrote this, according to tradition, not the Bible, Isaiah was sown in two. Could it have been? Because according to tradition, during the reign of Manasseh, could it have been because he was trying to tell people about the love of God, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Church, we're so spoiled here. There's no excuse for us not to talk about the love of God. There's no excuse for us not to share about the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no excuse. No excuse to not share about the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Over in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9. But while but we seeing him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death. So that the grace, by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Over to chapter 3, verse 6. But Christ, who is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope. I don't need to tell you that we live in a hurting world. We live in a mixed up world. And folks, there's not a promise that it's going to immediately get better. Matter of fact, there's not a promise that for us it's going to get better. We live in a sinful world, a hurting world. And although many people do not realize it, I said, many people do not realize it. They need to see the Father. They need to see the Son. They need to see the Holy Spirit. And guess what? If they do, that's enough. Philip says, show us the Father. And if we see the Father, that's enough. See, we got a world full of people that need to know the love of God. They need to know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. They need to know the power and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Who better to show them than you? But pastor, you don't know me. You don't know what how low I've sunk. You don't know this. You don't know that. And, and, and you know what? I tell you, I don't. But chances are, some of your friends do. They know what you've been through. They know what you've faced. And it may be you 
that God says, I want you to introduce them to the Father. Introduce them to the Son. Introduce them to the Holy Spirit. You say, well, I don't know how. I don't know how. Sam Rodriguez put this, came up on my Facebook this week. I don't know that I'm a friend of Sam Rodriguez, but it showed up on my Facebook. It says, the size of your praise should be directly proportional to the magnitude of the hell that God took you out of. Let me read that again. The size of your praise should be directly proportional to the magnitude of the hell that God took you out of. When your praise speaks louder than your pain, nothing can stop you. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Martin Luther King Martin Luther King says this, we must discover the power of love. The redemptive power of love. When we discover that, we will be able to make this world a new world. For love is the only way. How in the world can we do that? Show us the Father. Show us the Son. Show us the Holy Spirit. I love the words of encouragement that Paul gave Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, middle of verse 14. But I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For I know whom I believed, and I'm convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me and the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit. See, all three of them are here. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit that you've been entrusted with. Now, how do we do that? How do we introduce? Now, I realize we do that by speaking, but we also do it by the fruit we produce. Certainly, we speak our testimony, but it's even greater to live our testimony. Yesterday, I was totally blessed by something that I had, I didn't remember it. But when Mike Scott shared his testimony, When he was in prison, I forgot it. I'd forgotten, Gator, that I went to see him. I forgot that I had done that because I've gone to see a lot of people. But when he shared his testimony, he said it made an impact on him that somebody that he barely knew, this was back in 2010. No, further back than that. Anyway, a long time ago. Like I said, I'd forgotten it. And I don't share that to give me accolades. I share that because you don't know when you're going to be introducing somebody to the love of God, to the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the power and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. 
there's a great possibility. I could almost say there's an assurance that somebody in your circle is needing the love of God. Somebody is needing the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody is needing the fellowship and the power of the Holy Spirit. And our first response, I don't know how. You know as much as the woman at the well. She probably had no biblical training. We know that she was living in adultery. She had been married five times. And God picked her. To do what? Go get your friends. And chances are, you know what her circle of influence was? Probably a lot of people just like her. And says she brought all of her friends and says, I want you to come see a man that told me all things. I can't do it. I don't know enough. You probably know as much as Legion did. He lived in a cemetery. I couldn't help but think when I thought about that. A lot of people live in church. About the same, some churches. Y'all didn't get that, did you? That little, little slow. He lived in a cemetery. They said he was crazy. I mean, just because he ran around naked and lived in a cemetery, what well, would give you the idea that he was crazy? But when he was brought to Christ, when he was introduced to Christ, he said, I want to go with you. And Jesus said, no. You've had all the biblical training. You've got your degree. Now, I'm being facetious. He said, I want you to stay right here and introduce him to the Father. Introduce him to the Son. Introduce him to the Holy Spirit. What about the man that was born blind? They came to him, questioned him, and he said, I don't know. I have to tell that a lot. I don't know. I don't have a clue. He said, I don't know. Using today's language, he said, I don't have a clue who it was. All I know is I once was blind. But now I see. Many of you today could fill in the blank. I once was. All of us could say I once was lost. But some of you say, I was once, my family was in disarray, but God. I once was destitute and in poverty, but God. I was blind, but now I can see. I once was, but God's love. 
Christ's grace and by the power of the Holy Spirit and his fellowship, I'm not what I used to be. I love what D.L. Moody said. Great preacher. Probably could have had and has had all kind of accolades. This was his statement. The monument I want after I'm dead and gone is a monument with two legs going around the world, a saved sinner telling about the salvation of Jesus Christ. The monument I want after I'm dead and gone, and he has such a great lineage, great history. But what I want is someone with two legs going around the world, a saved sinner, telling about the salvation of Jesus Christ. What I want somebody going around said, let me introduce you to the Father. Let me show you Jesus. Let me show you the Holy Spirit. The worship team is coming up. We're going to sing that song about, I feel Jesus in this place. But right before about six o'clock this morning, I just thought of that phrase, let me tell you. So I went and punched that in my computer. And Samuel said, let me tell you what the Lord said to me. Have any of you had God tell you something? Maybe through his word. I'm not telling about audible voice. It's great if you had an audible voice. But a lot of times just the written word. Let me tell you what God said. Job says, let me tell you what I've seen. Let me tell you what I've seen. And the psalmist said, let me tell you what he's done for me. The world needs to know. And if you're here today and you've never committed to the Lord Jesus Christ, I would love to introduce you to the Father, to the Son, to the Holy Spirit. You say, well, I couldn't get all of that this morning. Listen, you never get it all. But you just start. So if you're here and you don't know Jesus, I want to introduce him to you. If you don't know God the Father, I want to introduce him to you. And I want to introduce the Holy Spirit to you. Now, I said introduce him to you because he already knows you. He already knows you. I said before you were born, I, I saw you. So if you've never received Christ, today's the day. But then church, there's a challenge the challenge that God has given us that you and I need to be introducing people to the love of God the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and to the fellowship and the power of the Holy Spirit Father God we ask you to minister by your power and your strength today as we worship you as we serve you as we humbly ask you to minister to these, your precious people, even right now, we give you praise, give you honor, and give you glory. In Jesus' name.
behalf of our pastor and staff here at OAG, we want to say thank you. Thank you for being a part of our ministry. We are grateful for you and the support you give our church and its ministries so that we can continue to do what God has called us to do, to be the family church for the family of God. For more content from Pastor Strickland and Oxford Assembly of God, check out our media website at oag.church/media.